0: All right, people, I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Ruben Report on February 13th, 2024. We are live streaming on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube post-game show. Join us, comment, question me, needle me, poke me, whatever you wanna do, RubenReport.locals.com. I should note, we were about 45 seconds late today because at the last second we decided to dump the cold open. We all discussed it and we said it was not up up to snuff. So after I hit my producer and smacked my director, here we are. I hope everybody's okay and I apologize. You can register a complaint with the uh, HR. There you go. Uh, The show today is about some of the problems we are having in America, because we are having problems, and there are other places on this planet that are not having the problems that we are having. And many of our problems seem to be self-inflicted, and if only we would be a mature nation, perhaps we could fix some of these things. So uh, what got me on this kick was that Tucker Carlson is in Dubai right now, and he was at a big conference yesterday Uh, talking about how the architecture and the overall state of Moscow, which is in Russia, for those of you playing along, uh, is actually way nicer and more inspiring than what's happening in our cities right now here in America. He's getting whacked all over Twitter and all over uh, the, the social media sphere because people are saying he's going after America, he's being mean, he's You know, he's propping up Putin. He's, how could you say nice things about Moscow or Russia? But it might be true that there are some places that in some cases are doing it better than us. And uh, that perhaps if we just looked at them for a moment, we might be able to fix some of this stuff. And we can also point out the reasons that our cities have crumbled. Democrat leadership, progressive policies, the World Economic Forum, George Soros, not actually uh, upholding laws, allowing criminals to ransack streets and stores and things of that nature. So how about we reverse that constant uh, culture decline that we're in and see if we can get away, get out of it. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Here is Tucker at the 2024 uh, World Summit, talking about how beautiful Moscow, Tokyo, Dubai, Singapore, et cetera, are now compared to our once great cities. And and you tell me, is this because he hates America and he loves these other places? Or perhaps because he'd like us to be a little bit better?
1: What was radicalizing, very shocking and very disturbing for me was the city of Moscow, where I'd never been, the biggest city in Europe, 13 million people. And it is so much nicer than any city in my country. I had no idea. My father spent a lot of time there in the 80s when he worked for the U.S. government and barely had electricity. And now it is so much cleaner and safer and prettier aesthetically. It's architecture. It's food. It's service than any country, city in the United States that you have to, and this is non-ideological, how did that happen? How did that happen? And at a certain point, I don't think the average person cares as much about abstractions as about the concrete reality of his life. And if you can't use your subway, for example, as many people are afraid to in New York City because it's too dangerous, you have to sort of wonder, like, isn't that the ultimate measure of leadership? And that's true, by the way, it's radicalizing for an American to go to Moscow, I didn't know that, I've learned it this week, to Singapore, to Tokyo, to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, because these cities, no matter how we're told they're run and on what principles they're run, are wonderful places to live that don't have rampant inflation, where you're not gonna get raped. Sir, and excuse so, me. what is that?
0: Okay, so Tucker's making a couple interesting points there, and that is the clip that he's now getting hit for. People are saying, oh, he's sucking up to Putin and being nice to Russia and some of these other places. Now, it's not, as he lays out there at the end, it's not to defend every idea of every one of these nations and how their policies got put into place and all the people that brought in those policies, right? But at some point, as he said, there's a difference between abstract and concrete reality. How did things happen? Who, what were the systems that were put in place versus, oh, I can get on the subway and not feel like I'm going to be pushed into the tracks or be mugged or, or have a random crazy person yell something racist at me and then try to stab me. People at the end of the day are starting to be like, oh, we've had just about enough of that. So what did happen in our cities, right? We stopped uh, making beautiful architecture, right? We started making cheap modern architecture. We stopped allowing for beauty to creep in. He even said it was sort of an off, uh, it was just a throwaway line, something about service. And you know, when you go to these cities now, people don't want to work the way they wanted to, right? We don't prosecute crimes anymore. And all of these things slowly drag down cities. I'm gonna show you plenty of evidence of it, but you just need to go to New York City and ask me, is New York City better or worse than, say, 15 years ago? Is Chicago better or worse than 20 years ago? Is San Francisco better or worse than five years ago? You know the answers to all of these things. Um, He says, cleaner, safe, prettier. He talks about architecture and service. And he also compares how Moscow, when his dad was there in the 80s, barely had electricity. So they have done something right. That doesn't mean you're bowing to Putin, but we do have to acknowledge this. And by the way, millions of Americans are acknowledging it, whether they wanna get upset by Tucker, Tucker on Twitter or not. Millions of Americans are acknowledging this, which is why we know so many people are fleeing the big cities. Uh, I would note that Miami is one of our cities that is absolutely flourishing, and there's plenty of reasons for that because we don't put up with that nonsense, and we are building beautiful architecture here and a whole bunch more. Uh, Anyway, uh, Tucker continued to talk about how we used to actually do it right, and we don't anymore.
2: Excuse me, are you anti-American model? No.
1: I am the most pro-American, so I'm 54. I was born in 1969. I grew up in a country that had cities like Moscow and Abu, Abu Dhabi and Dubai and Singapore and Tokyo. And we no longer have them. And what I have discovered is that's a voluntary choice. As inflation is, as you heard in that fascinating last panel, inflation is the product of choices made mostly by the central bank, not exclusively, but by policymakers. Crime, same. You don't have to have crime, actually if you don't put my children don't smoke marijuana at the breakfast table why because i won't allow them it's very simple it's a short conversation no and you can run your country the same way we're not going to put up with that so don't do it and people understand that filth graffiti paris one of my favorite cities new york one of my favorite cities are filthy and part of the reason they're filthy is because people spray paint obscenities on buildings and no one cleans it up so that encourages more people to do the same. And our policymakers, for some reason, don't notice this. London, another one of my favorite cities. You see English girls begging for drugs on the sidewalk. And I thought to myself, if I'm Boris Johnson, who briefly and very badly ran that country, I would ask myself, like, wait a second, my countrymen are begging for drugs on the street. Maybe I should do something about that. But now he'll show up and give some speech about Ukraine and how we need to send, you know, more cluster bombs to the brave no, Ukrainians. No, what are you doing? The
0: key part of what he said there is choice. It is a choice to live in a society that is in constant decline. It is a choice to live in a city that does not prosecute crime, that allows lawlessness, that allows mobs to take over the streets and all of those things. It's a choice to allow for graffiti and urban decay. And it's a choice not only for you, the individual, to figure out where you're gonna live and how your community is gonna behave and what type of people you're gonna have on school boards and what type of policing you're gonna have and what type of people you're gonna vote for. So it's a choice, not only for, for you literally in terms of where you live and the type of community you live in, but it's also a choice in terms of the type of people that you vote in and then the politicians make choices around that. So the line, and I think Ron DeSantis was always saying this uh, during his campaign, which didn't work out, but I think he's proven it right in terms of what he's done here in Florida, is that decline is a choice. We are not choosing it in Florida. There are other places, clearly, uh, uh, Tucker is laying out several of them that are not choosing to decline, but many places are. And the problem is, and this is why I wanna do this next segment with you guys about what it actually looks like in some of these places, is that many Americans, because of our economic situation, for a series of reasons, don't have the luxury to visit these countries uh, that Tucker is talking about, right? So he says these things about Singapore, and he says these things about Moscow, et cetera, et cetera, and you can just take his word for it or not, but we do have video. There is video on the internet. We're gonna show you some of the differences between what's going on in these cities uh, rather than New York City, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, pick your American city of choice. So how about uh, we'll go right to Tokyo and Singapore. There's a little compilation and just see if this feels, so this is Tokyo and you can see it is alive. You don't see a lot of homeless, Okay, look, there are people out and about. It's kind of beautiful and it's colorful. And that is a big city that doesn't appear to be rampant with crime. We checked some numbers. It's not overrun with crime. That's Singapore right there. Like, look how absolutely gorgeous that is. But let's let's just continue, right? Let's just continue. Here's Dubai and Riyadh, Saudi Arabia today. This one, this is absolutely wild. About five times before that clip, I had my guys make sure that was not AI because it looks actually artificial, but those are actual drone videos from Dubai, from Riyadh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it's important to note, it does not mean that the governments of these uh, places are right and doing everything right and their records on human rights and everything else are right. But again, that gets us to that abstraction versus concrete reality part, right? They might do all sorts of awful things in some regards, but their cities are flourishing for reasons. They have a certain amount of law and order. But let's let's take it to the place that, uh, that Tucker started this whole conversation and let's go to Moscow and then there'll be another part about Budapest, Hungary. think it's important to see some of this stuff to really contrast what's happening in our cities. We'll get to some of the American cities in just a second. Uh, We were in Budapest, as you guys know, what about six or eight months ago, and it wasn't just that it was beautiful right there on the Danube River. It wasn't just that it was architecturally beautiful and you could see that they're working to fix things and restore things and everything else. It was also that you could walk around and there weren't mobs of people everywhere looking like they were up to no good. Go to New York City, go to Times Square now, And everyone, there's no business people anymore. Everyone's in a hoodie, they look like they're going to get drugs or they're on their way to sell drugs. Or something else, and this and this urban decay basically is happening all over our big cities. So that does not, again, I think it's just an important point to drive home. It doesn't mean that these governments are right when it comes to everything. It doesn't mean that all their foreign policies right. It doesn't mean how they treat all their people perfectly in every which way. But we should be looking at our cities right now and being like, this ain't right. And if we don't do anything, if we don't see that shining hill on a city, in that case, these shining cities that are doing it better, then it will just get worse and worse and worse. So we'll look at America today in just a sec, but let me talk to you about Hillsdale College. Speaking of a shining hill on a city, an actual college that's doing something right, uh, guys, time is our most precious commodity. And I've heard from so many of my listeners, who've asked for my advice about how they can spend it wisely to improve themselves and the people around them. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, absolutely free. I recommend you sign up for American Citizenship. It it's funny, American Citizenship and its decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight lecture course, Dr. Hanson explores the history and citizen uh, history of citizenship in the West and the threat it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. Start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with Victor Davis Hanson today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Dave to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash Dave. And now back to me, and we did not even plan that. That ad just kind of fit today's show. So I want to show you a video. Let's now contrast what's going on in some of those European and Middle Eastern cities. Let's compare that with what's going on in our cities right now. Uh, my friend Erin Wexler, who I think is on the show next Friday, if I'm not mistaken, she uh, she's blowing up all over Instagram and she's in New York City. She lives in the free state of Florida, but she was in New York City yesterday, just wandering around. Then of course there was a Hamas protests taking over the streets and uh, she put this online and it was uh, making the rounds. Okay, so masked mobs all over the place, taking over streets. If you were a mom and pop store, right? So it looked like they were maybe going down Third Avenue or Lex over there. If you're just a store and you're open and you're selling anything, literally anything, whether you're selling shoes or you're selling candy, or you're, I don't know, a barber, and you just have a mob just constantly going by, and you can't do commerce anymore, how long are you gonna stay in that city? And maybe they'll break your window, and boy, if they find out you're Jewish, you're really in trouble. Uh, what if you're just trying to visit your grandma? She lives on the Upper East Side, and you thought you were gonna be able to drive up uh, Third Avenue to get to, to grandma's apartment. You can't do that anymore. Uh, why are these people all masked? Do they seem like, uh, you know, that they're not up to no good, or do they seem like they might be up to no good? And this is happening all over Our cities, so how about this one from Chicago yesterday? Here's just a general mob uh, creating general devastation. Zombie movie or 2024 Chicago, who knows? Who knows what they're doing, why they're doing it. It doesn't matter. It is allowed. Nobody will be arrested. And as you guys know, in the few cases where the cops do actually grab somebody, they release them immediately after, even when they turn out to be an illegal immigrant, even when they punch a cop or anything else. In the first video we showed you by Aaron there, you could hear on the loudspeaker the police are going, you know, this is an unauthorized protest, get off the street, but nobody listens to them. And why should anyone listen to them? There is no threat that anything will happen. So again, the the decay just keeps happening. And then the good people who live in those buildings, who are upstairs, they're looking out there going, you know what, honey, I guess it actually is time to leave. You wanna go to Florida, you wanna go to Texas, you wanna go to Tennessee, where do you wanna go? And by the way, it's not just New York, it's not just Chicago. How could we play a compilation like this without showing you what's going on in Los Angeles over the weekend? I mean, this is just, look at this, Los Angeles. And understand, guys, this is a choice. This is an absolute choice to allow for these tents to be up everywhere. What drugs are going on there? What diseases might be spread there? Do you think anyone could open a business or work in one of those warehouses there and feel safe? Imagine if you had to walk to work. Imagine you just have to walk to work. Who who are in these tents? I mean, it's ab- absolutely insane. And of course, when you're talking about American insanity on our streets, the one that you cannot ignore because it is ground zero for all of the decay is also in California. Yes, it is San Francisco. I think we played this video for you once before. This is Elon Musk on Joe Rogan talking about the zombie apocalypse happening on the streets in the city that he now lives and works, which is crazy to me that you'd be the richest man in the world living in that shithole. But hey, what are you going to do?
3: If you've walked around downtown San Francisco, right near the XFK Twitter headquarters, it's a zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's rough. Have you, have you been been in that area? Not lately.
4: No. Yeah. I've heard.
3: It's crazy.
5: I've heard it's crazy. I've heard you you really can't believe it until you actually go there.
3: You can't believe it until you go there. So now you have to say, well, what philosophy led to that outcome? And that philosophy was being piped to Earth
0: at philosophy was being piped earth we'll get in a moment to some of the people that were piping that uh, philosophy you know interestingly i've mentioned this once or twice on the show i think the second time that i uh was at twitter with elon so you know he's in the middle of the city there in this very tall building and we have this meeting and he's got windows on both sides because it's a corner office and he was literally pointing us to where they all walk over to get the drugs and then A few minutes later, you can watch them. Now they're on the drugs and then they're just kind of stumbling off. Like you're watching them like it's a zombie movie. It's just hordes of people. When you go down there, you see they're bloody and bludgeoned and dirty and smelly. It's just absolutely insane. But how about we contrast San Francisco now? That's what it looks like now. Uh, What do you think San Francisco looked like in the 1950s? Here's a nice little comparison video. Hey, again, guys, I'm trying to give the devil his due here. It's not to say that everything was absolutely perfect and there were no homeless people and no problems and everything else, but people were well-dressed. You sensed you could go out and start a business or that you just had some business in society that was not nefarious, right? And the point is, it is a choice. You can choose to be part of the crumbling of everything that is good, or you can do something. So how did this all happen? Well, when when Elon talks about Uh, the piping in of the bad ideas that led to all of this. What he's talking about really is George Soros, he's talking about the World Economic Forum, he's talking about the modern progressive movement and and that they have coalesced into something very, very evil that is targeting the United States right now and is specifically targeting our blue cities and states. We'll get to that in just a second, but let me talk to you guys about the Wellness Company. Guys, the pandemic showed just how vulnerable our supply chains are and the truth is, the US has left itself vulnerable to supply chain manipulation from China. With close to 90% of our pharmaceuticals being produced outside of the US, what happens when the next global crisis strikes? Or China decides to use supply chains as a weapon in conflict? Pharmacy shelves in America will be empty. Do you have what your family needs? The question of whether we need to be preparing for drug shortages is no longer a question. While the Biden administration won't bother sounding the alarm, other countries are advising their citizens to start preparing by stockpiling prescription drugs they may need. European consumers, like American consumers, are reliant on a pharmaceutical supply chain that has been almost entirely taken over by the Chinese, which poses a big problem. This This reliance on China for prescription drugs has only gotten worse since COVID, and as tensions escalate, Between the U.S. and China, the possibility of China using this leverage to their advantage becomes more and more plausible. So how do you protect yourself and your family against prescription drug shortages? Be prepared with the Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit includes eight life-saving medications, including amoxicillin, ZPAC, and ivermectin for you to keep on hand, along with a guidebook for safe use, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, tick bites, or even COVID. Every scenario is covered. Go to Ruben and grab yourself a medical emergency kit right now. That's twc.help slash Ruben code Ruben saves you 15% at checkout. Don't wait till you need it. Take control of your health today with the Wellness Company's medical emergency kit. Kits only available in the USA and back to me. Okay, so what happened? Why is it that Tucker Carlson is going to Dubai to tell you that places like Moscow and Budapest are doing better than our cities like New York City and Los Angeles? Why is it that Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, is at an office in a city that was once great, that is now, as he describes it, a zombie apocalypse? Well, it is because we have pipelined, as he said, we have allowed the pipeline of bad ideas to infiltrate our cities and then just systematically destroy them over a couple of decades. Uh, you may remember this as well. This is Elon Musk explaining to Rogan how George Soros has been able to destroy so many American cities.
3: So, and, and Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing. Um, and uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. Really? Yeah, I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DA's elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and much other cities. So why would you do that?
1: Was it humanity, or is it just the United States as a whole?
3: I mean, I mean he's he doing pushing things places? in other countries, too. He's not doing just the here. Same thing? Yeah. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws. You just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law, or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws. That's what he, that's what he figured out.
0: Isn't it that right there? That's the key part. You don't have to do anything legislatively to destroy these cities. It's not that you need all of the Congress people, all of the senators and everyone else to create new laws to destroy everything. All you have to do basically are bring in district attorneys that will not prosecute crime. Oh, you wanna have a mob of people rampaging through the city and closing bridges whenever you want, go for it. Oh, you wanna steal up to $900 worth of stuff from Best Buy, go for it oh you want to be able to punch a police officer in the face and not face any consequences go for it oh you want to be able to trespass on someone's private property and i don't know build a tent in front of their house go for it and then what he did was he then funded all of these da's Uh, if you just want evidence of one george gascon was the da of san francisco For many years, he destroyed that city alongside uh, Gavin Newsom, and then what happened when he eventually left San Francisco in in the disgusting dump situation that it's in? He then moved over to Los Angeles and then became the DA over there and then started doing the exact same thing there. So those are the types of people, and there's many other examples of Soros-funded DAs that have done this, Uh, Guess what? There is one state where George Soros tried to bring in two of his DAs, the state of Florida, and then a guy named Ron DeSantis said, no, 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 we are not gonna do that. And he fired those Soros DAs, got rid of them, because as I said earlier, as DeSantis points out, Decline is a choice, so it's your choice and it's the politician's choice, but it's not just Soros, he's just, he's one man. He's one man with an awful lot of money who has pushed a lot of this nonsense on us, but there are also giant globalist organizations that do not like your freedoms, that do not like the American way of life. The World Economic Forum, that's kind of the main one, and Klaus Schwab, who if if somebody was writing a villain For a movie, you would say this guy is too on point. I need something a little bit to the side because he's so obviously evil, it's ridiculous and there's no nuance to it, and yet here he is. Uh, This is the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, explaining that uh, globalists, well, that basically their goal will be to take down America because you won't need America in his globalist world order.
2: Who will really command the 4th Industrial Revolution and its technology like artificial intelligence?
6: What's your sense of who's best placed at this time to lead the world into the 4th Industrial Revolution? Because you pretty much created this term. We're seeing the kind of technological strides that China has made with Huawei, with the 5G technology. Do you believe that this could potentially be China's time once again?
2: We, we should make here uh, again, a, a let's say, a differentiation on the one hand. We have uh, state capitalism. On the other hand, we have shareholder or private capitalism. So it's a clash between two systems. I, I believe that um, state capitalism in the short term in the short term provides certain advantages because you can mobilize in a concentrated way a lot of resources to reach a specific objective. But I believe that the future is not state capitalism or shareholder capitalism, the future is what I call stakeholder capitalism which um, is combined with a social responsibility.
0: Hey, did you catch what he's saying there? You have to really listen to it because it's, it's a little nuanced. What he's saying is state capitalism, which we, we have individual sovereign nations, right? That make economic policy. They have ways of life, cultures, and all of those things. That that's really not gonna be the way of the future anymore. That you'll have stakeholder capitalism. That giant organizations like right, the WEF that he's head of, I can't believe it, what a coincidence, will basically be making the decisions. These will be privatized companies, BlackRock, et cetera, et cetera, that will make globalist decisions. And the, the countries, the states will just be like, thank you, thank you, sir, may I have an no? oak Can we have a little bit more? Can we have a little more mush to eat while John Kerry flies in his private plane? And they will decide how much you eat and what you own and where you go and how often you travel and everything else. So part of his desire or part of his mission as they want to inject all of this and destroy the nation state is they they need to make the nation states as depressing as possible. So that gets us back to, to the Tucker thing, right? Our cities are crumbling because this guy has, this guy, Klaus Schwab, and then George Soros, and many others, by the way, the, all of the progressives, that they own lock, stock and barrel have allowed for the conditions to be like, ah, you know, America isn't that great. Look at our cities. And in that regard, they're kind of right. But what else are they doing? The other thing that they really need out of you is to be completely unself-reliant, right? They want you to be reliant on them all the time. And there is a massive fight happening right now as it relates to the food supply all over the world. Uh, this is absolutely wild. Uh, this is the World Economics Forum World Economic Forum's Jojo Meta. And here he is calling fishing, farming, and food production, which are generally thought of as good things. You, you like to have lunch? Are you gonna have lunch today? Uh, here he is calling them eco-side because they want to turn you against the very food that you eat.
3: I mean ecocide as a word is becoming more it's becoming better known around the world and the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature Um, but legally speaking um what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime and so and and you know unlike a an international crime like genocide that in- involves a specific intent. With ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. But what's, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that.
0: Do you see how psychotic these people are? She's a woman, by the way, just in case you were wondering, that she sees the problem as people that are trying to make money, people that are trying to fish, people that are trying to produce food, right? Uh, Because those things are good for people, and they are radically against people. And by the way, this is happening right now. Now, that's not, I know it sounds like some crazy notion. Oh, there's just some, it's a bunch of rich people and they're just talking about how, you know, eating food and fishing is bad. It's actually being put into practice right now. Check this out. This is ex-Dutch prime minister, Mark Rutte, uh, calling for the closing of farms an opening up of World Economic uh, World Economic Forum food hubs. This is not too long ago. Fortunately, he's no longer the prime minister and there's a massive push by the farmers all over Europe to go against this nonsense, but this is what they've been ushering in. Oh, and yes, Mark Rutte was often at many of those World Economic Forum conferences.
4: So the role of businesses in the agri-food sector should be stimulated and able to create scalable uh, solutions. And here, I'd like to highlight a, a World Economic Forum initiative in this regard, the World Economic uh, Forum Food uh, Innovation Hubs. And these hubs in Africa, in Asia, in South America, and in Europe uh, will allow uh, businesses to connect regional stakeholders to skill innovations, because this is key, a skill innovations that can address food systems, challenge, food systems challenges. And here, Uh, I'm particularly proud to announce that the Netherlands will host the global coordinating secretariat of the World Economic Forum Food Innovation Hubs, which will connect all other food innovation hubs. And I believe this is important because it will be facilitating to create uh, the partnerships we need.
0: How interesting. Former President of the Netherlands. The Netherlands was having no problem creating food. Most countries in Europe and most countries throughout the world, thanks to the Industrial Revolution, have not been having a problem creating food. We could have solved world hunger, and we largely did many times over, except for very, very specific places on Earth. Uh, but they are creating a food problem by going after farmers, asking them to do completely untenable things. I personally tend to trust the farmers when it comes to farming. I trust the fishermen when it comes to fishing, Uh, but these people do not. So you know what's happening right now? Well, the farmers of the world are pissed because they are now under the foot of these people who want to regulate them, and they're realizing, well, we can't produce the way we are supposed to and also be able to make a living. Check this out from CNBC. The European Union prides itself on being a champion for the environment, but that reputation is now being firmly tested after it toned down its climate policies following angry farmer protests that are taking place across the continent. The European Commission, the executive arm of the EU, now intends to scrap a plan to half pesticide use. In addition, the institution also decided last week to omit the agricultural sector out of a strict timeline for cutting greenhouse gas emissions by 90% before 2040. The EU wants to become carbon neutral by 2050. It also wants to cut greenhouse gas emissions by at least 55% by 2030 compared to 1990 levels. Europe's reassessment of its climate policies comes as the bloc approaches EU parliamentary elections in June which are expected to bring in more far-right and fringe lawmakers into parliament. There's been a culmination of factors that have pushed farmers to protest in recent weeks, causing some damage in capitals such as Paris. These include rising costs, higher debt, competition from cheaper markets, and falling sale prices. For example, the average price of agricultural products that farmers receive declined by 9% in the third quarter of 2023 compared to a year ago. Without getting into all of the nuance of all of that, in essence, what's happening is the European Union started pushing all of these ridiculous goals and recommendations uh, on the farmers. And the farmers were like, well, we can't cut all of these things and still be able to make enough food so that the people can eat and still be able to make a living. So this farmers started protesting. And now, thankfully, they're pushing back against the EU. And also, of course, what they say there in the, in the piece by CNBC is what this is leading to is the rise of the far right. Because they connect all of this with somehow being racist and everything else. But what it's really connecting it to is that people want functional governments that are for, of, and for the people. That's all. But what are they doing in America right now? Well, they're pushing this in America too, although is California technically part of America? I'm not sure, we're gonna have to check the facts on that one during the break, Uh, but here's what's happening in California, because it's happening, the same damn thing is happening right now. This is from the office of California Governor Gavin Newsom. California's climate plan lays the roadmap to 2045. What are they gonna do in California? Cut air pollution by 71%, slash greenhouse gas emissions by 85% drop gas consumption by 94%, create 4 million new jobs, save California's $200 billion in health costs, due to pollution. That is all complete nonsense. None of those things are gonna happen. Let's not forget that Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco with his 10 year plan 20 years ago to end homelessness. San Francisco now has the most per capita homelessness in the entire United States and is a zombie apocalypse and everything else. So you might say, okay, Dave, it can't be as simple as these people are just evil. Why, Why are they doing all of this? Don't they look at the results of what's happening in our cities, what's happening to our people What's happening to our countries? Could they just be evil? What is motivating, right? Like th- that's what that's what you have to think about first. What is motivating these people to do these things? Well, here's Jordan Peterson talking to Tucker Carlson uh, a couple weeks back about what drives people to push these ridiculous policies.
4: Jordan,
1: the World Economic Forum, the WEF view, which is that, quite frankly, there's too goddamn many people on the planet. And every time I hear that, I think just. Exactly what spirit is saying that, and just precisely who the hell do you think should go? and just exactly how. What spirit animates them? Well, if you believe people are the problem, then that is of course a genocidal spirit. If I believe that the problem with my kitchen is it has too many mice, the solution is to kill the mice. Too many roaches, I kill the roaches. They're the problem, they're the impediment. And so make no mistake, and this sort of tracks with what I was saying earlier, don't lie to yourself about the agenda. If people are the problem and you're a person, then your life is in the way of whatever goals They're seeking to achieve by definition am i missing something no i'm not it's a demonic spirit just to be clear any any spirit that seeks to hurt kill divide demoralize other people is a demonic spirit by definition so that's what animates it you're the target and don't lie to yourself
0: all right so tucker tucker is right you are the target if you live in one of those cities do you think that the politicians the powers that be do you think they care about you who knows what exactly their end game is for New York City? Like what is exactly what they want New York City to look like in 15 years? Do they want it to be a 15 minute city and very controlled and who can come and go and everyone will be surveilled and they'll decide how much you eat and all that? Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that's really what's going on here. Like that doesn't sound that conspiratorial anymore. And by the way, most conspiracies over the last decade or so have kind of come true. But Jordan makes the broader point of who is it that they want to go? Why is it? You know, when I always talk about John Kerry flying private while testifying he doesn't have a private plane because, oh, actually his wife does. Do you think that these people don't eat the best cuts of meat imaginable? Like meat we haven't even heard of and I eat some pretty damn good meat over here. Like, do you not think they are living every piece of, of luxury that that humans have ever had and just want more and more and more and they will give you less and less and less? But we've been looking sort of outside so far on the show, like what's happening outside of ourselves, right? What's happening to our cities and, and the conditions that have created that and what's going on politically. Uh, but maybe let's look for a moment, let's look within. Let's look within ourselves and in our culture that maybe has allowed some of this stuff to be ushered in. Uh, I thought this was super interesting. This is a global antidepressant use per 1,000 people. Uh, Korea, a very small amount of people per thousand, 13 in Chile, 13 people per 1,000 people are on antidepressants. So these are prescription psychotropic drugs because you have depression. You know, in the commercial, there's usually a cartoon cloud following you. You take a pill to stop the cloud, but then another cloud comes in, then you have to take another pill for that. Then your legs start shaking because you've got restless leg syndrome. You take a pill for that. Then you're having diarrhea and vomiting. You take another pill for that. And then at the end of the day, when you can't feel anything, you go, oh, I'm, I'm kind of depressed. Uh, But look at that, the United States, 110 people out of 1,000 are on antidepressants. Do you think that might be a problem that is connected to everything else that I'm talking about here, that we have drugged ourselves to the point, I mean, when 10% of your country uh, either needs to be or thinks they need to be on psychotropic drugs because they're depressed, that might be a problem. And do you think they might be depressed because when they walk outside, there are people calling for genocide out there and there's mayhem on the streets and everything else? I would love to know. We'll, we'll see if we can find the numbers on this. The difference between prescription drugs, antidepressants that are prescribed in cities, particularly blue cities, Versus in rural areas, I'm gonna guess you're gonna get way more of a, the genderqueer, purple-haired, Hamas-supporting weirdo is way more on the psychotropic drugs than the guy who works on a homestead farm in the middle of Idaho. You think that's fair to say? I think that's fair to say. So guys, the point is it should be no surprise that our squalid cities lead to a squalid culture, which is exactly what now we have all over the place. Did you see this story? Two days ago, uh, there was a a trans person that shot up Lakewood Church. That's Joel Osteen's church in Texas. Uh, Sarah Gonzalez from The View, uh, from The View, sorry. Wow, that is the most, I owe her, I am calling her after the from the blaze, the oh, wow, we're sending her a gift. Send her some flowers or something. Sarah Gonzalez from the blaze. I love you, Sarah. You're wonderful, beautiful, brilliant woman. Sarah Gonzalez from the blaze tweeted this out. Breaking Lakewood church shooter identified as transgender. Legal name Genesee Moreno, but went by the name Jeffrey. So a, a self-described trans man, it's a woman, that's a, that's a nasty-ass woman who pretends to be a man named Jeffrey, uh, shot up this uh, church, Joel Osteen's church. Fortunately, or at least last I heard, nobody was killed. A five-year-old apparently was in critical condition. Two off-duty police officers took him and or her out. And how am I connecting this to everything else? Well, we have a very confused bunch of people in this country who don't know what that, that their genitals have anything to do with their gender and that are on Drugs. We find out that almost all of these shooters are on psychotropic drugs, but now let's connect that to the antidepressant part specifically. We have people who are walking around not seeing beautiful things, not seeing law and order, being taught all of the wrong ideas, and you know what's uniting them? It's misery. That's a problem. I interviewed Abigail Schreier yesterday. You guys know Abigail Schreier. Uh, her book a couple of years ago, Irreversible Damage, talked largely about the, the social contagion as it comes to young girls, particularly transitioning to be boys, that this is not scientific. There's a social contagion element to it. Anyway, she has a new book coming out in a couple of weeks, but I asked her, uh, it's about a minute long clip, I asked her about what is going on here, this odd connection between shooters and trans peoples and antidepressants and pro-Palestine rallies. These things are all wrapped up together. So Abigail, there was this shooting at Lakewood Church. It was an immigrant from El Salvador who was a female who identifies as a male. Uh, Fortunately, the only person killed in the shooting uh, was the shooter, although a five-year-old child is in critical condition. Two off-duty cops actually uh, were able to take him slash her out. Um, We have a real mental health problem on our hands, don't we?
6: Yes, we do. I mean, uh, we have a few things. But um, one thing, you know, the Free Palestine was written on the gun. And a lot of people ask, what does this have? What do these, um, you know, different causes have to do with each other? What does Free Palestine have to do with BLM, have to do with um, the trans, you know, the trans pride flag and all the, um, you know, various left-wing causes that don't seem to go together? After all, we know that in, you know, the Palestinian territories, Gay rights are not exactly flourishing. So what, what these groups actually have in common, and you see it again and again, climate activists with Free Palestine, with BLM, with Antifa, what they really have in common is misery. Um, and unfortunately, we've, we've really encouraged a, a whole generation an idea that they're victims, that they're miserable, and they're envious, and they're angry. And their ideology, in my view, is actually preceded by the misery and the Marxism sort of just grafts onto it. But um, I I think we have a generation of really unhappy people and unfortunately that makes them pray for all kinds of far left causes.
2: And
0: misery loves company, thus you're on my short list of friends. (laughs) Okay, so the reason I wanted to play that clip is because it's directly connected to where we started when tucker talks about good service at restaurants and he talks about beautiful architecture there are things that when you walk around inspire you there and and that's different for everybody like that's subjective some people love a, a beautiful walk in nature some people love seeing beautiful art or architecture or whatever or listening a beautiful symphony or whatever it might be, right? But if we degrade all of those things, and, and you can't really go to the opera. You know, one of the interesting things is by the Twitter office in San Francisco, it's about two blocks away from the San Francisco opera. Nobody goes there anymore. You think anyone gets up dressed in a tux and the, and the wife in a gown and spends a night out at the San Francisco opera when they have drug addicts everywhere outside? So it degrades and destroys all of these things. And then what happens? Well, then you have a whole people who are drug addicted, who are confused about their gender, who are seeing systems collapse, so they think capitalism is bad. And then what combines them so that a trans immigrant shooter writes a Palestinian slogan on their gun as they shoot up a Christian church? It's the misery of the whole damn thing. Oh, and by the way, they are drugged and everything else. Check this out. So so this happened, this shooting in Lakewood, uh, it's a district in Houston. Here's the, the Houston Police Department had to run an entire investigation just to figure out what pronouns the shooter used.
1: So she has utilized both male and female names, but through all of our investigation to this point, talking with individuals, interviews, documents, Houston Police Department reports she has been identified this entire time as female she her and so uh, we are identifying her as Genesee Moreno Hispanic female
0: oh thank you the person who just shot a shot up a church and there is a five-year-old in critical condition we're ver- we're going to identify well she wanted to be identified as she her so we're gonna res- it's psychotic and you wonder how these things scale up. Do you think that that guy, that the Houston Police Department is doing, uh, that they have now have the best of the best over there, able to deal with proper crimes, and deal, deal with the problems that come with living in a big city or not? What do you think? What do you think? Do you think New York City police officers who have now in large part retired, the old guys that were the good guys, they've large part retired. Many of them have moved down to Florida because we've given the best of the best bet bonuses to come on down here. And then what do you get left with in the city? A bunch of police officers who are fat, out of shape. They have to lower the standards to get people in. Nobody wants to do it because they'll get called racist if they, actually pull their gun out and save somebody. It's insane, insane. We're not gonna show you the video, but uh, two days ago in North North Miami Beach, there was some crazy uh, illegal immigrant with a machete holding a woman hostage in a building as if he was about to cut her head off. And you know what the cop did? He walked in and he shot the guy dead. That's what happens here in Miami. And that's very different. Uh, than what happens in most of the country right now. Uh, but let's go to another country that is starting to turn things around because El Salvador, which I've mentioned uh, a couple times over the last few weeks, they were basically the most dangerous country in the world. Check out these numbers on, on homicides that were happening in El Salvador in 2015. That's not that long ago. It's less than 10 years ago. Per 100,000 people, they had 106.3 uh, homicides per 100,000 100, people. That is insane. That's one out of every 100, well, one out of every 10,000 people was being uh, killed in El Salvador, okay? Homicide. Uh, over the years now, then they brought in some law and order. They started going after the gangs. They started cleaning up their streets, et cetera, et cetera. And you could see it precipitously dropping. And as of last year, 2.4 people per 100,000 people. So how did they do it. Well, they started prosecuting crimes. They started saying, we are the people of El Salvador. We are going to start defending ourselves. We're gonna start electing people. We'll get to their president in just a moment, who will actually not bow to the, the criminals and the crime bosses and the gangs and everything else. And we're gonna start putting some people in jail because if you're a bad person, you belong in jail. And that's the only way that good societies can flourish. So Naib Bukele, who became the president of El Salvador a couple of years ago, and he was just reelected, we covered that last week, he came in and said, we are cleaning this up. We are gonna defend the rights of our good citizens and we are gonna stop placating the gangs and everything else. So everything that you see there, which look it looks like a Schwarzenegger Stallone movie, right? Like it looks like the beginning of one of those movies. They're about to take over the jail. Those are all gang members uh, who were running the streets of El Salvador. I mentioned to you that about a decade ago, I went to El Salvador, my brother-in-law was doing some work there. And for any for any uh, non-El Salvadorians to live there, you had to live in very, he lived in a very tiny little community, barbed wire everywhere, armed guards everywhere. We were told very clearly, if you walk out of here, you're in an awful lot of trouble, et cetera, et cetera. They have cleaned it up and now it is becoming safe. Here's what it looks like today. that's San salvador look at that it's the biggest city in el salvador it's beautiful it's flourishing the architecture is nice the lighting it feels like something it it feels like it fits within within the the actual natural landscape So, what does that look more to you like right there right what does it look more to you like does it look more like dubai and some of those other places we showed you or does it look more like san francisco now, again, I'm not saying that Bukele has done everything right. I don't know everything about all of the gang leaders and the ways he had to go about taking them out and everything, but it's it's directionally right and we all know it. We all know it. Uh, Tucker actually interviewed Nayib Bukele uh, not too long ago uh, and they talked about what what our collapse in America would look like. So here's a guy from a place that was at the end of what a collapse looks like with rampant crime and murder all over the place, run by gangs, he turned it around, and now he's concerned about what's happening right here in America. The demise of the U.S. has to come from within, right? The enemies have to be
7: inside, not, not really outside. No, no, no external enemy ca- could, can cause so much damage as internal, It's an internal operation. Here, here, you're watching internal operations here, you, you can see them in, the, in cities cities that were pristinely beautiful 30 years ago are wastelands right now. You would see people... I mean, I'm from El Salvador, a third world country in Central America. And myself, I can see cities here and say, I don't want to... I want to live here. So, that, that would be unthinkable three decades ago. Totally unthinkable. That a Salvadoran wouldn't want to live in a U.S. city? In a U.S. main city? I mean, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, yeah, well, uh, Philadelphia, Baltimore. When you look how the cities are eroding so fast, this has to be by design. I mean, who, who? I mean, who would make so many stupid decisions? Like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna give you money for drugs. Really, they're doing that. In some cities, they're giving people drugs. I mean. They're literally giving people drugs in some US cities. Or they say, okay, we're gonna give you money if you don't work. Or we're gonna, you know, they make all of this laws that make no sense.
0: Yeah, he's right about everything. Every single thing he said there is true. And the line that kind of gets you is the idea that someone from El Salvador wouldn't now want to live in an American city, wouldn't want to move to Los Angeles or elsewhere. That would have been the dream of every El Salvadorian. They had a horrible economy, they had crime everywhere. They wouldn't want to come to America now. It has to be by design. I think in the course of the last hour, we've laid out what some of the designs are, whether it's the World Economic Forum or George Soros, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But I wanna jump from from Bukele over to another leader in the world who is doing it right. This is newly elected Argentinian president, Javier Malay. He's also talking to Tucker here uh, about how Americans can fight to get their country back. The very thing he's doing to Argentina for Argentinians right this very second.
1: Donald Trump is running for president again in the United States, as you know. What advice would you give him?
5: Que continue con su lucha en contra del socialismo porque es uno de los pocos que entendió cabalmente que la pelea es contra el socialismo, que la pelea es contra los estatistas y comprendió perfectamente que la generación de riqueza proviene del sector privado. Es decir, el Estado no crea riqueza, el Estado la destruye, el Estado no puede dar nada porque no produce nada. Y cuando lo quiere hacer, además lo hace mal. Entonces, me parece que, desde mi pequeño lugar, lo lo único que podría decirle es que redoble los esfuerzos en la misma dirección de defender las ideas de la libertad y de no darle tregua ni un solo segundo a los...
0: Those of you on the audio podcast, he's basically saying Donald Trump must stand up for freedom. That socialism is the system that is here that will be the most life degrading thing that you can possibly imagine. And that Trump is one of the few people that can fight it. And of course he's he's right on what the idea of socialism is, but one more clip for you because socialism and all of these bad ideas and the lack of law and order and all this stuff that that's just a system that's in place to destroy you right socialism where you know everyone will be equal at the end except not everyone will be equal because yeah elizabeth Warren will be doing just fine and bernie will have three houses and klaus schwab will eat foie gras and all of that stuff okay you get that uh, but that's just the system part of it and the more important part of it i think is the part that is about you the thing because i know you're be watching this, I can't fix the system, I can't fix New York City, but you can do something in your own life to be a little bit better, a little bit braver, a little more courageous, a little more truth oriented because you matter, you actually matter. And wouldn't that be cool if that was the truth, that you could actually affect the nature of reality if you actually started doing the right thing and realized that you were an active player and not an NPC. So, this will end us with one of my favorite videos of the last couple of months because there's plenty of bad videos of the last couple of months and people taking over the streets and chanting for genocide and all the, the psycho crazy gender confused lunacy that we see everywhere. Uh, but you might remember this guy who is the very definition of a New Yorker. And this is a blue collar guy who woke up that morning just to go out there and do his job. But then he saw something and he did something. All right, I'm a veteran. I'm telling you. All right, don't about, do do I'm not, it. not Jewish. He's he not Jewish. Uh, I don't know if no, he is or not. I, I, it
2: doesn't I'm matter. Jewish. This is yeah. in the US. This is New York City. You don't have a right to touch that. This is a free country. You can wave your Palestine flag and say death to the Jews or America whenever you want, but we can put up sign, Okay? Then don't rip that down. You are doing something. You're offending, you're offending us. Yeah, you are. When you throw that on the floor, you're littering in the city. In a minute, I'm going to litter the floor, the floor
5: with you. You have so move the f on. You have proof they're not kidnapped. No, no so shut the f up. Want want that drink? Drink? That I drink? know that's you what want you want. Come on, you
0: piece of on. it should be a, a spinoff of the Sopranos with that guy in it. But that's the point, right? Like that guy, that, that old spirit of what America is about, what New York is about, like what this country is about. That's what we need back. Instead, we have a whole group of people who, for a series of reasons that I think we, we laid out here, have all decided that misery should be the thing that brings us together, and we may as well destroy the whole damn thing. But there is a better way, guys, that it, and we're, we're at the precipice of giving it away. But, but maybe we won't or at least maybe we won't in certain places. And I suppose you'll have to decide if you wanna live in one of those places. Uh, Guys, my full interview with Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas that we did in DC is up right now. We got a post game show in about 30 seconds, rubenreport.locals.com. People of the internet with Isabel Brown will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern as always.